Welcome to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. To get more information about me and my work, please visit ValerieSilvera.com. I want you to know that it truly is an honor for me to stand with you. Hello there, my friends. It has been a couple of weeks since you have heard from me. I'm sorry about that, but I've had so much going on and I usually try to get ahead of my podcast, but I was unable to due to a business project I was working on. And then something else that came up and and it's really what I wanted to talk about today on this podcast, this situation, this event that came up and it turned out to be something that allowed me to build more courage. And having said that, I want you to always remember that building courage doesn't come easily. It always comes through trials and fears and facing those fears and going through a lot of challenges and sometimes heartbreak. That's how we build courage. And I talk about courage a lot. If you have followed my work in any way, you know I talk about courage a lot. And it's simply because we don't know what's up ahead in the road. We don't know what life is going to throw at us. And certainly the older we get, we know it's going to throw health challenges at us and we will lose more loved ones. Not to be a big downer about getting older, but it's just the reality of life. And life can be very tough. And and I know for me, for sure, on more than one occasion, I've learned a very painful way that life can change in a moment. And so we can't live in fear. We should not live in fear and dread and worry about those things that could happen in the future. We cannot do that. That will actually make us weaker. The best thing that we can do is to become courageous in general, to build up that courage and confidence and self-worth, that faith and hope, those things that will help us make it through these tough situations And some of you might not go through super, super tough situations, but everybody's going to go through some some stuff that's hard. You're not going to escape that. And so the best thing we can do is is be prepared in that way. As a matter of fact, I'm doing this, this coaching this week, and of course I won't give all that away because you have to be a member of my Still Standing Tribe, my coaching program, to get all the goodies, which by the way, go to stillstandingtribe.com. You can also find on my website, ValerieSilvera.com. You can get there through membership, but you should really check it out because it's helping people to do lots of things and much of it has to do with courage. And so one of the things I propose that I'm going to be talking to them about this week in our coaching call is that there's this saying that says, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And so when I was creating my coaching, I thought, how do I feel about that? How do I feel about trying to continue thinking the best, but preparing for the worst? How in the world can that be positive? Because I started to think, is that even possible? How do you think the best while you're preparing for the worst? Because if you're preparing for the worst, you're thinking the worst. And everything starts with a thought. So then I figured it out. I figured it out how that can work. But this is the key to the whole thing. You must not be trying to build courage 
to prepare for one specific thing because you'll be thinking about that all the time. You cannot be trying to build up courage and thinking about a hundred different possibilities of things that could happen that you're afraid of or could potentially be afraid of. That's not going to work. The best way to be prepared is to just build courage in general. Do you see what I'm saying? So thinking the best and preparing for the worst doesn't work unless you do what I said, unless you're just building up general courage. And what's so cool about it is what that comes with that is self-confidence and self-worth and hope and faith because fear is the opposite of all of those things. So when we're running around scared, what if this happens? What if that happens? Well, first of all, let me ask you this. What if it doesn't happen? Well, you're so scared that this might happen and that, and there's a list about probably as long as your leg here of the things that could go wrong in life and not the way you want them to go. And perhaps even worse, that's going to keep you stuck. That is going to keep you stuck in fear. Just know this, some stuff's going to hit you in life. It is. And again, that's not to be a downer. It's life. You can't stick your head in the sand to pretend that nothing is going to happen. In fact, that could be one of the worst things you ever do is to act like nothing is going to happen that will challenge you, that will make you afraid, that will make you feel insecure, that will confuse you, that will break your heart because these things are going to happen. It's just part of life. And the good news is life is cyclical. So even if the most awful thing you can imagine did happen, you can get through it and you can even come out the other side standing stronger. And it's kind of interesting because if I had thought about some of the things that I have had to face in my life, if I had thought or somebody had told me that I could come out the other end in the way that I have, I'm not sure that I would have believed them. So some of this is just going to take a little faith. Take it from somebody who's gone through a heck of a lot of stuff. And I haven't even talked about all my stuff. And you just, just have a little faith that when you see somebody who's gone through something horrific and has come out the other end, that it's possible for you. We don't have some special magical powers that allow us to do this. Mainly, it's just hard work and a decision to do it. And that's why I created those nine actions that I talk about that I originally called the nine actions to battle your beast. And I do still refer to them as that, but I also now refer to them as the nine actions for a courageous life. And they're these nine things that I do. I continue to do. They're the things that other people are doing in order to make it through tough situations and even come out the other end much stronger. And so that kind of leads me to what I wanted to talk to you about today. And it was something that uh, something that transpired last week. And just by the way, I don't always record these podcasts the day that I'm going to air them. I typically try to do them at least a couple of weeks in advance so that I don't miss a week like I have the last couple of weeks. But this one is actually being recorded and then I'm going to be putting it up there. So you're getting this almost live. And so what's transpired was those for those of you that have been following my work, you know that one of the unbelievably challenging things that occurred in my life was my daughter's addiction and her eventual addiction to heroin and all of the horrible things that came with that roller coaster ride that I call the roller coaster from hell. And then 
her murder in 2016, which is still an unsolved murder. However, there is some news. So for those of you that didn't catch it on social media or some other way, perhaps in the news, uh, my daughter's accused murder has been arrested. And I don't know, it's so weird because I didn't ever think I would say those words and I wasn't being negative. I had just accepted that it was a possibility based on the circumstances. And so it's, it was so weird because I just said this to you in this podcast, I guess maybe only the second or third time I've said this publicly. And that seems so weird for me to say that, but he has been arrested. And as you can imagine, it came with so many different emotions initially we did feel happy, but that was so short-lived because what can be happy about any of this? How can any of this be happy? Even the guy that killed her, his family is going to be feeling all sorts of emotions. And it just, there's no reason to be happy, but I am glad and I am grateful and thankful. And I guess maybe there's a part of me that is happy, but of course, nothing's going to bring Jamie back. But this is what I wanted to talk to you about was this fear that I was, that I was to face. So again, all of these emotions came up with this and I had actually learned a couple of days before he was arrested that this was in the works. And so we of course couldn't say anything and we sat silently and waited and then wondered after a couple of days whether or not it would happen and then the call came. And the call actually came while I was on a call um, with my client. So for those of you who don't know, I actually have another life besides what I do here. And it's really my prior life, which was in finance and business operations and acquisitions and things like that. I still have one client that I work with. I try to spend most of my time doing the work that I do in regard to helping people build courage and my whole still standing message. But I've kept this one client that I've had for several years and I was actually helping him sell off the major portion of his company, this big division that he has. And we actually did it last week, but this has been going, been going on for about 16 months on and off. And then the last several weeks, just full on, I'm talking busy, busy, busy while I'm trying to keep up with all this. And that my friends is why you haven't heard from me. So anyway, I'm on the phone with my client's attorney and getting ready for this big conference call. And it's 10 minutes before, and I see a message from the detective come across my phone. So I have to put this attorney on hold which I typically would not have done for very many reasons. And then I jump on this call to find out he's been arrested. And then, then that's about five minutes. I have to come back and apologize that I've been gone for five minutes. And then, you know, okay, let's get back to business. And off I am on a conference call. So processing all of this was really weird because it, it happened over the next week. All of this stuff happened while I was still in full on seven day a week, long, long days trying to help my client bring this deal across the finish line. So what my fear was that I had to face, I mean, you might think, how could I have any more fears beyond what I've already had? Well, here's the thing, my friends, even if you face the worst, even if you face the worst you could, could imagine, that doesn't mean that other fears aren't still real and there's no reason to compare them. So I'm not sitting here telling you that what I was about to face was worse I don't have any need to compare. I'm just going to tell you that, that I was scared because this happened on a Friday and the following Tuesday, he was to be arraigned. 
And so obviously we all know what an arraignment is. Maybe you don't because we don't really pay attention to these things. I'm not in the legal system. But an arraignment is simply that first hearing that somebody goes to after they've been arrested and they're going to make their plea. And we learned, of course, I did not realize this, but we learned that almost always, every single time, pretty much, I guess, maybe every time, a defendant will plead not guilty initially in the arraignment because their defense attorney has not had time, I would imagine in most cases, to look at everything that's being presented and and to advise their client properly. So they'll always plead guilty. So we knew that was coming. We were actually given a victim's advocate that helps us through the entire process, however many years this goes on, and which was really tremendous and, and so wonderful. And so she helped us to understand a lot, but I said, I want to go to the arraignment. Well, these victims advocates, they will, they will go to everything. Well, whether or not you go, they do go to everything as your representative and we are considered victims. And you know that I don't like being called a victim because I don't like to live like one, but in the case of the law here, this is called a victim's advocate and it is assigned to the victims and their family. And in this case, obviously, since Jamie's gone specifically to us. And so this wonderful woman goes and represents us. And so she said, you don't have to go to this arraignment. If you're feeling whatever you're feeling, well, let me tell you something, my friends. One of the things I was feeling was fear, not, not fear of, of him hurting me or it wasn't that it's hard to even describe. It's, it was just fear of the unknown. I had never been at an, an arraignment at all in my life, but I had certainly never, ever faced somebody who killed somebody close to me. Well, actually, there's only been one person killed close to me, and that was my daughter. But I was going to face the man who made that split-second decision to kill her. And we had waited two years and 196 days for the day that I would face him. And so... I felt all sorts of emotions, but it wasn't until we got a phone call that the judge wanted to do this early and that he would wait for us to the allotted time. But if he could do it early, he would like to. I mean, they were being really respectful of us and we raced down to the courthouse. So you don't have a whole lot of time to think about it. And so my victim's advocate braced me. And I say me, my husband, Rich was with me, but he's, he's her stepfather. And, and that's not to say he did not have a lot of emotion involved with this too, but it definitely is different that, you know, me being her mom. And so she was saying specifically to me, are you ready? Are you ready? And here's what's going to happen. So she said, there's nobody really in the courtroom except for the defendant and the judge and bailiffs and some court people. There was nobody on his side. It was very empty. And these courtrooms are small. So from the door to this defendant was probably 30 feet, maybe. And so I said, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, and you can't say anything in the court. You just have to go in there and be quiet. Well, the, she opens the door and I see him. The second I saw him, I just started bawling and we're walking into the courtroom. Of course, he turns toward me and because of the commotion. And as I'm walking in the courtroom, I spoke and I said to him, how could you? And I said it with all of these tears and he looked at me and he didn't look at me in any, with any kind of anger. He actually looked kind of sad to be honest, but he looked at me and he did not take his eyes off me and I did not take my eyes off him. Of course, the bailiff comes over and says, you can't talk to the defendant and you know, do you need to leave the courtroom? <laughs> and I got myself together as much as I could. But you know what? As many times as he wanted to look at me, 
I wanted to look right back at him. And so I did it. I faced a fear. And you know, I didn't need to go. It didn't change anything. I had nothing to say. Well, nothing that I was supposed to say. In that courtroom, there was no reason for me to be there. I could have waited until the trial, which could be years from now. But I knew that I was feeling scared and nervous and apprehensive. And so I wanted to face it. And I did. And although a lot of emotions came with that and it was draining afterwards, I mean, the whole thing was not even 10 minutes. And if I was drained afterwards, I'm so glad I did. And, and I hope this gives you something to think about with the different fears that you have, whether these fears are emotional or physically doing something or trying something new, whatever these, these fears are that are keeping you back. I mean, they could be keeping you from something wonderful in your future, from trying something new, from, you know, being good at something, at trying a new career. There could be so many different wonderful things in your future. If you would just stand up and face fears. It could be a fear like mine. It could be an emotional fear. Maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody that you've been dreading, that you need to, to bring something up that's not going to be comfortable. But you know you need to do it because it's there. And it's not going to go away. It's going to stay there. And so it was with meeting this guy who killed my daughter. And I, you know, I could have waited and just seen him in the, in the courthouse. But I think, I, I mean, in the trial, but I think I would have regretted it. I think I would have wished that I'd gone ahead instead of waiting for however long it takes to get this trial going, because it could be two to five years, they said, before it's finished. So I'm thinking at least a couple of years before the trial. And then I'd always wonder how it might have been. Would I have felt more empowered had I just gone ahead and faced him? And indeed, I do. And so I encourage you, whatever you're going through, if, it, if this is something that is a fear that you could could face and perhaps stand up to and, and it would improve your life, stop waiting. Face the fear. Because how we overcome fears or how we feel less fearful, because you're never going to live a fear-free life. It ain't going to happen, my friends. I don't care who it is that says they live fearless, they don't live fearless. Everybody has some type of fears. But for you to get to the other side and become courageous, you've got to face them. There's no other way to do this. Avoiding fears is not going to make them go away. And even if that particular situation went away, you would have missed an opportunity. And so I know this sounds kind of uh, silly maybe until you really start thinking about it. And I hope that you start embracing my philosophies on fear because if you don't, then yeah, you might think I'm a little nutty here thinking that fears are opportunities, but they truly are. Fears are opportunities for you to grow and change and become stronger and more courageous because we don't really become strong and courageous when we don't have anything to face. It, I mean, logically, it just doesn't make sense. How do you become courageous if you don't have to build up courage? And so I would say to you, my friends, don't look at fear always as a bad thing. And by the way, obviously some fears are good. It keeps us from danger and all sorts of different things. So some fears are healthy, but there are all sorts of fears that we don't need to carry around that are being, that are very detrimental to our lives. 
Those are the fears I'm talking about. Face them and then face them again and then face the next fear. It's really incredible to live as a courageous person. And it's not something anybody can completely describe to you. Kind of like labor pains, right? I read all those books about labor pains and then mine started and I went, this is not what they said. This doesn't feel anything like that. So face those fears. Start tackling them. Start doing things anyway. That's the only way you're going to get there. You're not just going to wake up one day and be a courageous person. It comes from standing up and making that decision to become courageous. And hey, if you need some help with this, if you need some help with, with all sorts of different things in life that, can, that, is, that is, are keeping you from happiness and joy and peace and purpose, so much of it is tied to courage. And these nine actions I talk about, I would love to help you with this because I know what it feels like to live scared. I know what it feels like to live hopeless and helpless and, and discouraged. I lived in paralyzing fear. I lived depressed. If you are ready for that, for changes in your life at this time, I, I don't really do private coaching, but I do have a coaching membership called the still standing tribe. You can check that out at stillstandingtribe.com or on my website at valeriesilvera.com and go to membership. And it is, it's really kind of extra cool because you'd also get to connect with some other people that are going through all sorts of different stuff, but it's amazing when like-minded people get together. If you'd like to hear more about my story, we're going to have an incredible time on June 22nd in Palm Springs, California where we are going to have our first live event that will be in Palm Springs. We've had them other places, but we're now starting to build our signature event in the desert in Palm Springs. So you don't want to miss this. This is a day that can truly change your life. So you can go to stillstandinglive.com and learn about that. Or again, go to my website, but I would love to meet you in person and see you standing strong with other people who are determined to live a courageous life. You can do this, my friend. If I can do it, so can you, and you are not alone. Thanks again for joining me today. Please subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss notification for any future episodes. And please visit my website at valeriesilvera.com. I would love to link arms with you and stand with you in whatever it is you're going through because we are in this thing called life together. Have an awesome day.